Let us pray. Speak to us, living God, as you have spoken to our ancestors. Through the voices of your prophets, the breath of your spirit, and the life of your Son, so that we may live according to your word. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Last week we were in Acts. We are sort of in Acts. We get a little bit of that, but we are jumping quite a bit to the 17th chapter, which I invite you to read if you have not done so. But to catch us up, in Acts chapter 8, we meet a Pharisee named Saul, whose primary goal is the persecution of those who follow Jesus Christ. On his way from Jerusalem to Damascus, Saul has a life-changing encounter with the risen Christ. He then becomes a powerful voice in the early church, birthing churches throughout the Roman Empire and shaping how the church comes to understand herself and her mission as Christ's body in the world. Along the way, he becomes known as Paul, and our reading for this morning comes from one of his earliest letters, one to the church in Thessalonica, a major city in the Roman province of Macedonia. The 17th chapter of Acts tells us that Paul spends about three weeks or so in Thessalonica preaching and teaching in the synagogue about the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. His witness wins over some Jews and Gentiles alike, but he also winds up in prison. The charge is that he is proclaiming a king who is not Caesar, and that he is among these people who have been turning the world upside down. Now I invite you to listen as I read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 from the Common English Bible. Let us listen for the word of God together. From Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the Thessalonians church that is in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to all of you. We always thank God for all of you when we mention you constantly in our prayers. This is because we remember your work that comes from faith, your effort that comes from love, and your perseverance that comes from hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father. Brothers and sisters, you are loved by God, and we know that he has chosen you. We know this because our good news didn't come to you just in speech, but also with power and the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You know as well as we do what kind of people we were when we were with you, which was for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord when you accepted the message that came from the Holy Spirit with joy in spite of great suffering. As a result, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The message about the Lord rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place. The news about your faithfulness to God has spread so that we don't even need to mention it. 
People tell us about what sort of welcome we had from you and how you turned to God from idols. As a result, you are serving the living and true God and you are waiting for his son from heaven. His son is Jesus, who is the one he raised from the dead and who is the one who will rescue us from the coming wrath. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You're invited to pause for a moment for prayer and reflection on the text. Amen. When I went to camp in the mountains of North Carolina, there was a saying and maybe even a song for just about everything, including mail. Hail, hail, hail to Rockport Camp. Above the rest you are the best. I hope I get some mail. Oh, hail. And it goes on and on. We would sing it over and over again. And yes, there ends the pastor's solo for now and forever. We would sing it over and over again in the dining hall while pounding rhythmically on the tables at lunch. And then we would race out the swinging screen doors to peer into our cubbies on the porch to see if we had a letter, a postcard, or even a slip of paper directing us to the camp post office for the holy grail of mail, a care package. I still get fairly excited about mail, real mail, as opposed to bills and junk mail. In this season, I'm fairly certain I'm not alone. When we cannot see one another's faces up too close or shake a hand or share a hug or a high five, There's something especially dear about knowing that someone took the time to think of us, to write a note, track down a stamp, look up our address, and get it in the mail. Well, the book of Acts gives us a narrative of Paul's travels and adventures. His letters reveal something more personal and, in many cases, more tender. Yes, tender. I haven't always thought of Paul as having a soft spot, but in this letter, I am struck by Paul's deep affection and appreciation for this congregation. Theirs is a church founded in the midst of persecution, and as Paul writes to them, they are still enduring persecution for their persistence in following Christ and devoting their lives to him, even when it means defying Caesar and the demands of the empire. In the thick of trials and challenges, he wants to assure them that they are loved, deeply loved, by God and by him. He wants them to know that they are also chosen, claimed as God's own, and never abandoned, even when the night grows dark. Maybe especially when the night grows dark. And he wants to encourage them by reminding them of the faithfulness he witnessed firsthand in them and has heard about in the accounts of other travelers. 
Word has gotten out about their work, their effort, and their perseverance, but he is not simply praising them for their gritting it out. He is celebrating that all that they do is grounded in faith, love, and hope in Christ. He sees these things embodied in their life together, even when they are far apart. And he tells them how their witness, their joy in Christ, even in the midst of suffering, has rung out or sounded forth throughout the empire. Maybe it is because I miss worship music in all its forms right now. But the idea of faithfulness and suffering ringing out is one of the most beautiful images I've heard in quite a while. And I think it is also because it rings true, if you'll forgive the pun. As you may have heard, church bells will be ringing out for three minutes at 7 o'clock this evening across Pennsylvania. While each minute is dedicated to a certain group, the ringing itself is a way of offering hope for those who've been impacted by the virus and a public way to offer gratitude for those who are serving to help us through this frightening season. We at CPC don't have a church bell, of course, so I might be inclined to feel a bit left out. I even thought about sneaking over and getting a handbell. But then I read Paul's words about the faithfulness of the Thessalonians. They do not have a church bell either. And yet their faithfulness is still ringing out across the centuries. At the risk of impersonating Captain Obvious, I am not Paul. And there have been times when his words have frustrated and flummoxed me. I'm guessing they will again at some point. However, as I preached for the eighth Sunday straight into a mobile device, unsure of when it will be safe and wise for us to gather in person again, I find precious common ground with this man who is called to offer encouragement and pastoral care to his beloved congregations from a distance. In this moment, I share something in common with this pen pal pastor, as a scholar called him this week. Because you see, your faithfulness rings out in beautiful ways here and now in the thick of anxious and unsettled times, and I get to remind you of that. No, we are not. We are not persecuted for our faith the way the Thessalonians were. But this is a season unlike any other, unlike any we have known. Fear, grief, and anxiety are real and understandable. And yet, you are beloved, just as they were. And your perseverance and faithfulness are ringing out right now in a multitude of beautiful ways. I see your compassion for those who are graduating, getting married, or celebrating birthdays in unexpected or even postponed ways. I hear your vulnerability in confessing your frustration and your concern for what comes next. I see your honesty about your anxiety and fear about the economy, unemployment, and the uncertain way ahead. 
I hear your prayers for those who have lost jobs and opportunities, for those who are grieving the deaths of loved ones from a distance. I see you who are parents of young children balancing schoolwork and the emotions that children struggle to name along with your own, all while paying bills, doing your day jobs, caring for your own parents, showing up on Sundays, and nurturing the faith of your children too. I see your joy as you joke with one another and laugh in the comments, and I see your joy as you laugh at corny jokes we share over Zoom. I see you faithfully writing cards and making calls to check in on those who are isolated and alone. I see your generosity in grocery shopping and mowing the lawn for neighbors or making masks for strangers. I hear your gratitude for those who work to heal the sick and those who enable us to stay safe. I see your tenacity in advocating for those who are hungry, depressed, on the margins, and at risk. In all these ways and so many more, I get to witness your work born of faith, your effort born of love, and your perseverance born of hope. You are not simply gutting it out or getting by on your own, nor are you expected to. Not one of us is because not one of us can. Siblings in Christ, you are loved by God. The same God who gives us his only beloved son to show us that love face to face. The God who promises never to leave our side. I hope you know that and I pray you never forget it. Signed this pen pal pastor who thanks God for you today and every day. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.